This episode of Today, Maybe Forever is presented in collaboration with the Atlanta Mayor's Office of Cultural Affairs. I'm Floyd Hall, and this is Today, Maybe Forever. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with producer, curator, Antoinette McLaughlin. Hey, Antoinette, hey. how are you? I'm wonderful, how are you? I'm doing very well, glad to have some time with you today. You are from Atlanta, and I want to get some perspective from you on what it means to be a steward of Atlanta culture. So this is true. Anybody from Atlanta embodies Atlanta. So, I mean, and I'm, I'm going broad because I'm bringing back to me, but everybody in Atlanta truly embodies Atlanta. Now, if you're from Atlanta and you're in the entertainment or uh, you're in the, the culture of the, 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 the moving and shaking of the city and the growth, you are a steward. You know it. You 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 know what we have. You know what we don't have. You know what we want. And you're an advocate. You're a believer. I tell every single intern that I see, every single college student that comes to Atlanta, any tourist, we are the best city to be whoever you want to be. This is the city to be whoever you want to be. This is the only city that you can go into in the in the world and really touch any market. I don't care if it's medical, the medical industry, the medical industry, the politics. If you want to do it, you can do it here. They always say New York, you can do it here, you can get popular, you can get seen, you can be you can really make your mark and if you keep it going and you have you have the the meat and the knowledge and and all your resources you put all your ducks in a row, you will be great. So I'm a big store of Atlanta. I will move to other cities, and I have, but I will always be ATL till I die. <laughs> so I am the biggest steward. Sorry, I love us. I think we're amazing. You are the curator of, of the Trap Music Museum. Yes. So for those of you all who are hearing this and are not aware, uh, the Trap Music Museum is... I think an ode to trap music culture in Atlanta and beyond. Um, it is. It's it's a very narrative look at maybe the origins of that, but also sort of a you know an an origin story with uh, with respect to tips or Ti's perspective um, as it relates to that. Yeah, it is, um, and it's it, it's crazy. It's it's amazing to work with artists you know of different caliber, but to work with an artist like. T.I., um, you know, everybody had their views on different artists. I look at him a certain way just because I'm around him on different projects, from music videos to short films to photography, I'm around. So to hear him, to hear him speak um, and want to do a project such as this was um, interesting and I thought it was really dope because he was very adamant about making sure, we couldn't do it, but making sure every single trap artist was seen. And it's so funny because, you know, you hear people in the blogs and on social media like, oh, there's a beef here, or these artists have this. And I never once felt that energy from him. He was like, I need to see Jeezy, I need to see Rocco, I need to see this person. And then if he came in every day, he would come in. If he didn't feel like it was big enough, he was like, they need more. They need more. And I'm like, we can afford more. But... I just love to see another artist want to praise and give respect to other 
trap artist as he did, because a lot of artists don't think about when, you, when, you, when you're a crab, you're thinking about yourself. But this was really, like, he didn't even want people to know it was his, but it, of course it ended up being that. So I'm, gonna just, I'm just saying that part, but anyway, go ahead. So when did the idea for the Trap Music Museum first come to you? Well, not, not, not come to you, but when, did, when, when was that idea first presented to you as an idea? Okay, it was presented to me, okay, the museum, museum has been open about a month, so it took us two months to put it get together, and a month before that is when it came to me, maybe a month and a half before that. So, um, two months of us putting it together, a month and a half before it came to me. It took about two to three weeks for me to understand what they wanted. I did not get it. It was different variations of um, Grey Hustle and T.I. trying to articulate the, the idea, and the idea grew into something bigger than we even started with. The idea was escape the trap, a house that people can walk in and escape the trap. It became art, it became a museum, it became um, full out art installations. My team, along with Grand Hustle's team, we brought in the, the more cultural expansion of their idea. We, we, you know, we took it to that next level, but they came to us with, we want a house and it's gonna be cheap. That's what they said. All we gotta do is just get some free couches off the street and you know, we just keep the house the way it is. And then we just have people walk through. And then we're gonna come up with riddles and use lyrics from artists' songs to help people get through the trap. And I just stared like, I don't know what you're talking about. And so after conversation, after conversation, we ended up adding art, then we ended up adding fine art, then we ended up adding photography, then we started digging into um, actual um, art pieces like the Michael Murphy trap mu uh, uh, music piece. And then I was like, this is too big. We need a bigger space. We can't do this in a house. And then it came together. Um, it definitely took about a month of ideation. Uh, I brought in an architectural designer from LA to take the floor plans, do a 3D render. He's a young guy too, went to school for architect and uh, architectural design and he wanted to get out of that corporate world and do more creative work. You know, I gave him the blueprints, he built it up from the ground. There's a full 3D render of what the space looks like. Um, I brought an amazing set designer, um, Sky, uh, set by Sky. She brought in all those small details and all those details that you're staring at, she brought those details in there. Um, I helped shape the master plan. I helped shape the idea. I took the meat, I took the seed, I made it blossom, and I brought all the right people, and we just added all our spice on top. <laughs> when you're in that space, because I, I do want to get you to talk about actually curating that space and actually working with the artist to create the installations, because okay. If, if those, um, if listeners, you know, if you've been to that space, there's a living room space, there's a kitchen, there's a, a gun room, I'll call it that. Yes. Where, where, where uh, T.I. has some of his, uh, some of his, his things, there's a space where uh, Jeezy is represented. Exactly. Um, you have some of the artifacts from um, the trap house that 2 chains put together. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a, a, a barbershop owed to uh, Killer Mike. Yep. So in each of these spaces, within this larger space, you've curated the look and the energy and the feel of that. Talk about, talk about that. Talk about putting together this 
particular space with the details in mind? Okay, so um, we're all different. So it becomes difficult when you have a lot of creatives because everybody has their own idea of what they think trap is. And I think, you know, this museum has done a great job of trying to identify what trap is. But I can still have some arguments with some of the things. It's kind of how I had to agree to disagree in some areas because it's not just me. But for me, trap and Atlanta, even though Atlanta did not originate trap, I just feel like Atlanta embodies trap music really, you know, really good. So I was very driven and um, it t I took a very personal um, how we put this thing together because, you know, I'm from Atlanta. The idea originated from um, the Grand Hustle team wanting to have a, a house, like a bungalow, a trap house that you would see in the bluff on the west side of Atlanta in the West End, kind of any um, inner city neighborhood, Grand Park, those type of houses. They wanted a house like that with the front porch, a few rooms, and they wanted to figure out a way for people to come in and escape the trap. And so they wanted the living room, they wanted the kitchen, they wanted um, the room, the, the bedroom with the, with, the, with the mattress, and they wanted the, the stash room, and the room is locked that you can't get into. And uh, it was too small. <laughs> the house, a house is too small to really give a full experience that's free and open to the public at the time when we made it free. So it, it took time, and we decided to get a warehouse and build it out. Building out that warehouse, we had to still give detail of a household, even though it was literally an empty blank space. And once we decided to include art into it, it became way more detail. It became, this has to be, this has to feel, look, and connect to any genre, or let me, let me change it, any demographic of folks that come in this building. For example, I know I'm getting off, but for example, in the kitchen, in the Gucci room, in the Gucci man kitchen, I had some guys from Noontime. You know, I don't know if you guys know about Noontime. It's kind of one of the first record labels that started in Atlanta, and they, they did a lot for the city and songwriters. I brought those guys in. I overheard a conversation of them arguing back and forth on what did they see when they were around, you know? what felt real to them it was like, well, my grandma had this. No, my grandma had this. This was in the 90s and this was in the 80s. And it's cool because I only went off what I see from my 2000s. And it resonated back to folks from the 80s and the 90s. And it was a conversation piece. And I mean, it, that, that detail that we took time to put into it, looking at pictures, doing our homework, doing our history, I mean, you know, our, our research to look at renditions of trap houses. But a trap house typically comes from an abandoned house or your grandmother's house or your auntie's house your grandmother had a house then she passed away gave it to your mom your dad or your auntie your uncle then that becomes the house that the family either stays in hangs out in or no one stays in it so it becomes like an abandoned house that's to, in my personal opinion that's how the bandos you know come to part but when you go into those houses the tables are dusty um, you know, the TVs is an older TV because you never switched out the t television. Um, that's why we have three different types of televisions in there. Um, you have the VHS, but then you have the DVD because now you've upgraded. Um, you still have pictures on the wall from when you were a kid, when you were innocent. Um, some parents, like if, you, if, you go, if you've been in the living room, we have the plastic on there. That was something big for a lot of people. I didn't have that experience. I went to houses that had plastic. But so many people was like, oh my gosh, this was 
this was like, I know what this feels like. So we tried to bring different eras of, of um, the, I guess, uh, the culture of how trap got started and like the house and bring that detail to every, I guess, decade or, you know, the growth of where we are today. Because it's totally different now. People are in condos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and to bring it sort of full circle, um, as part of the public art uh, programming for the city of Atlanta, Elevate, there was an installation called The Art of the Swats House. The Art of the Swats House, which was curated by T.I. Um, and Austin Blue, mm-hmm. visual artist over near Greenbrier Mall. Mm-hmm. As a part of that particular programming, they showed a... A documentary where it was T.I. and Rose Scott and so it was about a 30-minute documentary where T.I. Uh, drove through the West Side talked about some of the developments that he was working on now talked about some of his past and how he's evolved as a, a person and I think that when you pair his evolution his transformation because um, I think that that documentary was called the transformation of T.I. Mm-hmm. when you pair that with the Trap Music Museum I think it's a little bit easier to identify the arc of what that feels like in terms of doing this to make money, but then we're trying to take it in a different direction. Yes. Um, Trap, you know, it's a, it, you can take a, a, a negative look on it or you can have a positive look on it. It's made people lots of money. Sure. And it's actually put people in a you know position to help support and bring people in a you know in a different space leveling up you know um elevate so though it is is been used because that may have been the only means that they thought they could do the beauty is that a lot of people have overcome that's why we have an escape room and that's why it says escape the trap um because most trap artists they start in one place um, because that's what they know. They're rapping about where they come from. All hip hop, blues, and country music as well. You're telling stories about your life. And so that is who you are. But that poetry, that, that art form does something special and you end up you end up making a living off of that and money and then you go back to your hood, to your neighborhood and you have to try to uplift and help push things out. I love the trap music and that was not on purpose. It's just how it happened. It's in the middle of the bluff. I freaking love it because everyone who's in the bluff now can come and have an art experience. They're able to see that they can be a part of something. A lot of times you see, oh, Boulevard or Fourth Ward is right next to Pond City Market. Mm-hmm. I lived it. I lived over there. I never understood why people couldn't cross the street. It's just the street. Just cross sure. it. Sure. You know, the same thing for the bluff. Just cross the street. Go to Centennial Park. But they don't do that. So to bring things in the neighborhood that is cultural and uplifting and you can see that there is a way out or there's there's a bigger picture that can be done with that I think is beautiful in itself and it's and it's and it, and it drives the community and we have programming where some of the inner city kids that are when they leave school like the high school kids um, we we make sure that we have a tour guide to fully explain like we have a jail inside the um, and I'm kind of going off topic but there's a jail inside the museum and it's um, it's talking about Black African Americans incarceration and where we are, where we've been, and where we need to be. And to have inner city kids that are in these youth programs to come and we explain to them 
this is not a good place. This is this is a system that we don't want to be in. You know, ways that we can use our money, use our brains, use our math skills to do other things is um, we do that. Sure. We have the we have the programs come in, and I just love it because they're when when kids or the youth are out doing things, they're doing it with no guidance. They're doing it on their own, and so to be able to connect with them in their world somewhat and then show them a way like how we've used this um, as a as to show that it is true it is facts we don't want to hide it or run from it but there's a bigger there's a bigger place you can be you can level up you can transform like T.I. you said transformation of T.I. I love that he's buying his neighborhood I love that he's continuing to grow and and do things that's inspiring that gives people hope, that gives people um, um, a, a sense of connection with the arts and the community and just, I don't know, I just, I think it's, however it works, I'm not in that space, but I just know it doesn't do anything but help well, and make things greater. I think there's, there is, what I, I think that the Trap Music Museum does, and Trap Music, I think, in a larger sense, is that there is some transparency, right? On one hand, I think that there is an acknowledgement of doing some level of certain activities to make money. I yeah. think there is, a, is an, an acknowledgement of that. Right. But I think there's also an acknowledgement of, okay, but what's beyond that? Or what is bigger what than that? What are you doing? What is your goal? Right. Um, and so I think that in, in the museum, you know, there is a room where you have, you know, the Jeezy, you know, room right. where there's bricks. Right. right. But then you also, I think as you circulate through that space, you're able to maybe see, um, to your point, there's the the um, the jail cell. Um, I think there are just some other aspects that really help to, I think, show... The realness the of realness it. Of the it. realness of it. The realness. It's not about the glitz and glam. Right. I mean, you're seeing, you're, you're, you're able to see what television allows you to see. You don't, sometimes you don't get to see the bad. You don't get to see you know, what people actually have to go through. That gun closet, that was a big transformation for sure, T.I. Sure, sure. You know, was he out gangbanging? No. But did he collect guns and was that illegal? Yes, it was. And that changed his life. That sure. changed his career. And guess what? He's a whole different person now. And I'm not saying he needed to go to jail to do that. And I don't think he would say that. But the point is, there's a consequence to everything that you do. You know, and um, I think people lose sight I don't know what happens with everybody. You get caught up in certain situations and you don't you, you lose the big picture. Sure. And you get back on track and you focus and What was the um what was the acquisition process like for you to acquire the certain things that it would need that you would need to make this exhibition what it was? What was, what was that process like to get the items from Two Chains? What was it like to have to get the items um those baby pictures? Okay, you so know? Uh, it was, I thought it was going to be easy, <laughs> and then it wasn't easy, and then it got easy, and it was difficult. But I'll speak on the 2 chains car, because it is the most popular thing. Um, everyone loves the pink car. Um, that is a photo op of every person's picture, uh, uh, photo album. That was a process. Uh, why? Because the car was beat up and run down from the pink trap house that um, 2 chains put together on Howe Mill. I guess at the end, everyone stood on it, the windows was broken, it was completely demolished. There was a big argument 
coming in as a producer, I said, we are not using that car. I'm going to go get a car from the junkyard. It's going to be a replica of that. And we're going to paint it and bring it in. That's an argument. No, we need the real. Tip was like, we need, no. Tip was like, we need the real one. And somebody else was like, no, we can just get, a, we can get one from the junkyard. Nonetheless, we end up getting the real one. It took three different tow trucks, uh, two different days to figure out how to move it because it was stuck. The, the tires were flat. And when we got it, it was, a, it was a, like, I don't, I was like, what are we gonna do with this? It's full of leaves. Uh, we can't turn the wheels. We can't move this car without having a rig. Um, but we figured it out, we got it to our building. Then we had to get the window replaced. We had to get the ceiling popped out. We had to have someone come put air in the tires. But getting it into the space, there's a picture. Um, maybe I should post that picture of like six guys trying to push the car up into the ramp and, and bring it into the, um, into the museum. I am happy that we went through that process because we have the original piece that Two Chains did not create trap music. Two Chains did not, um, was not the epitome of, oh my gosh. But Two Chains did take a risk, and he did something different than nobody else did. He, first of all, he's a man and did an entirely pink house and catered it to women. But everyone across the, the, the southeast or wherever they came from loved it, and it was a thing. It was part of the culture. When you type in Trap House, which he did not start Trap House. When you type in Trap House in Google, his house comes up. So he, he definitely... Uh, you know, um, made the mark when he put that together. So now I feel good that we went through that process because we have a real original piece. And I understand that getting into the art world that having something original is, it's, you can't really like, that's, what is it? What's, what's the word I'm trying to say? That's like priceless. It's priceless to have that piece. If I would have had like a rendition, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't feel like how I feel right now. Like I'm kind of like patting myself on the back. You guys did a lot of work to get that 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 car in there, but you know that one was a process. Um, you know, Tip was Tip did not provide lyrics until the end. I don't think he thought knew where some were. We went to his engineers. We had to go to different studios around town because a lot of artists they don't know this song is gonna be a number one hit. They write the music when people wrote things down and left it in the studio, and so. Um, Curtis, who's the owner of Patchworks, he had like a whole storage unit of stuff. There was a collector named Newface. He collects pieces. So after a show and the billboards are up or the posters and there's all type of um, paraphernalia or like, you know, promo on the ground, he keeps it and he gets it signed, you know. So going through his storage unit was, it was a process in itself going through each magazine, picking the best magazine of all his artifacts. Um, Julia Beverly, we're gonna have her, we're gonna feature her work in our pop-up in another city. But Julia Beverly, if you guys don't know, she was a part of like the up and up of different, it was like the crunk music scene and kind of a little bit of the, the, the birth of like um, trap music, T.I., um, Young Jeezy, um, and the snowman. Um, BMF was huge back then, which is how Jeezy got started, which is what the Coke room, the brick room represents 
more so than Jeezy himself because he's not into that. But it was more of where he came from and how he was able to, you know, be in the position that he was in, and it was through BMF. Julie Bailey has amazing stuff. Um, so we had already put the museum together when she came around, which I said it was great and it was good. It was great and it was good. People came late. People came one time. So we were able to pull some of the best pieces um, from each one. Julie Bailey, I can't wait to go through her things for our next city. Um, uh, 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 Young Dro, he brought several outfits. So the story about Young Dro, I know he's a polo down guy, right? I'm from Atlanta, West Side, it's polo down. Polo sheets, polo telly bear, polo hat, socks, everything. So they brought the outfit. I'm just, you know, being a producer, putting stuff together. And I, there's a, um, a guy from LA who comes, he's, a, he's an artist manager. I do a special tour with him and with the Pussycat Dolls manager. And he says, oh my gosh, that outfit is from Shodaline. I said, it is? <laughs> I didn't even know. I thought it was just a, a polo outfit for Young Dro. But he's like, no, I, I went and bought that same exact outfit. I have that outfit in my closet. That's from the Shodale music video. So, you know, bringing that in, Lucci came in and brought, so that was special. Sure, um, yeah. Lucci came in and brought baby pictures. His is on the wall. Um, Killer Mike. And some things we had to acquire ourselves. We had to do our, our research go through people's pages, uh, get releases, call attorneys. Um, I don't think people took it as serious as we, as the conversation sound, or as it seems now. So we were asking for the baby pictures and trying to get it the easy route, the, the more original route. And then once we got the pictures they didn't like up and they would see it, it's like, no, I'm gonna have my mother come drop some stuff off. <laughs> okay. And so I'm like, this is what we wanted like two weeks ago or three weeks ago or a month ago. So it was still great. We swapped those things out. Um, some pictures were up that, you know, they didn't feel like we should put up of the artist. It was like, no. And I liked it. I think it's true to who the artists are. But anyway. Well, just, just even even staying staying there, um, I think going back to that living room area where those pictures are Love on it. the wall. Yeah. For those of you all who, who have visited or, or will visit, I think that that... I think you mentioned this earlier, it speaks to a more innocent time. That's the innocence. That's you know, when they were just being themselves. Yeah, um, and, and so you, you see what, how things evolve, you know, life choices and things of that nature. But I think that it's, it's important to have that room there because there is a sense of, of uh, humanity that, that maybe is overlooked when you just focus on the music because yeah. the music can be very um, intoxicating. It can be very just high energy in a way that distracts you from the sense that these are people, they're families. Real people. Exactly. Um, the piece that I thought was most expertly done was the hanging trap music sign that's in the back where if you look at it one way it says trap, you look at uh, the other way it says music, but it's this hanging speaker. The Michael Murphy installation. Yes. Talk more about that. So Michael Murphy, um, he's an amazing um artist outside of New York and Tip acquired him on Instagram. Instagram is how we shop and, and find everything. He loved his work. He has a really popular piece with the United States of America flag. It's like it's an image of the United States of America, like the shape. It's a flag and then it's guns. You look one way, it's a flag. You look another way, it's, a, it's guns. And then overall, it's the United States of America. It's a story. 
you take that story and you tell me your what your you know um, perception is on it. And that's just, that's the name of oh no, it's Perpetual Art. The name of his company is Perpetual Art. So um, we went back and forth with several different renditions of that. Uh, we were going to do dime bags, like physically have dime bags. We didn't want to do the guns, even though the guns was like it's up. It looks really cool. Um, it became just. T.I. was heavily involved as it relates to yes, no, that doesn't work. And he is um, an art collector. He is an avid art collector. Like, he goes somewhere, like, we've purchased many, any, any place I've gone with him, if he sees something he likes, he's purchasing it. He wants to go to an art show. He wants to go to a gallery. Um, he wants to connect with artists. So, um, he found him. And we honestly... We liked it. it. Was like this is you know this is a you know a big piece to add to the museum. It's gonna take up a lot of space. He knew what he wanted, and I respect that because if it wasn't for him pushing and believing in that in that piece and what it represents, because you're able to see a little bit of everybody. So some folks that you don't see in the trap museum, I guarantee you, if you go stare at that trap music piece, you're going to see their face in there. We, we were doing our best to try to show everyone. It was very difficult. I know some people feel like we didn't show the right folks in certain areas, but it's, the, the place wasn't the high museum. We didn't have a lot of walls and a lot of space, so we had to pick the, the most immediate folks. But in that specific piece by Michael Murphy, you're able to see a lot of different rappers that um, are part of the trap culture. And so being able to see it one way trap and stand on those two feet and then go to the other side and see music. It's just cool. A lot of people don't get to see that in the bluff. Yeah, and just... and, and there's a, there is a uh, collage effect. So as, as you mentioned, if you stand up close to it, you can sort of see all of these, these different different folks. And it plays music. Yeah, it does, right. It was, it was, it was playing music um, the time when, uh, when I was there. Uh -huh. And so I thought that was just a really beautiful piece. Talk about some of the, the local artists um, that were included in that. I know Fabian Williams is in that. I think D.L. Warfield also has some stuff in that. D.L. Warfield yeah. has one of our, uh, you know, biggest pieces. It's um, next to Michael Murphy. And his is amazing as well because you have the mug shots. Uh, he's really good at mixing his pieces. So it's, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's photography of, or no, it's not photography. It's a mug shot from, um, these rappers in jail and he took that and he made a you know a beautiful beautifully made art piece around mugshots and that's everybody's photo op that is the first thing you see before you get into the museum and it and he has another piece that I don't know if everyone knows that that's his it's in the Jeezy room um it is the black American flag it's part of one of his collections we haven't talked much about your background and I don't want to bury uh, the obvious but um, you've been involved um, through the Spice Group mm -hmm. with a lot of, of um, visual um, productions in hip-hop yes. so for those who are probably listening wondering how did she get to be in this place um, say more about the Spice Group and and what that represents to you so what it represents is what it says, spice. We add spice. Um, do you have spice? We got spice, all that. <laughs> Any kind of tagline you can think of, that's what we thought about. So it's, it's keeping it spicy always. Um, what's, your, what's your flavor? So uh, 
we actually started doing events when I was young. I mean, when I was young, like 16, 17, in my bedroom, writing ideas down. I didn't know that it was a thing to write things down. And this is important what I'm going to say because I just met some young kids yesterday and they get so creative in their heads and they get, they put, they, uh, they get in their own way. I'll write things down and start just doing it. Just how people do now. They go on Instagram and start doing stuff. And I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew I had an idea in my head. And I knew I knew what I was thinking. And I knew it was great. And every time I did something, it was good. I had a crowd. My first big event um, was when I was 17 or 18. 17 or 18. I did it at the Atlanta Workforce Development Center. The old one that was down. Um, well, it's the same one. It just changed the name. I did a big talent showcase. Showcase all the artists in Atlanta. I had comedians, I had fashion, I had artists. Juice Magazine was there, Grip, was, Grip Magazine was there. The Marta Station did all my product promo. So on all the Marta buses, they had my promo. And I was just trying to do something because I saw amazing talent and no one got to see it. So I'm saying that to say, I started doing events as I grew and uh, transitioned in my different levels of, of growing. Uh, I, I fell into production. There's a big gap I missed. But anyway, we got into production. I got into creative directing, artist development. Artist development was a big thing back in the day. Artists, um, they didn't just, you know, go in a studio and then go straight to the stage. They had someone actually putting their show together, uh, putting dancers behind them, coming up with the theme of the project, what the album was gonna look like, what the photos were gonna look like, what the artist wardrobe was gonna look like. And um, ultimately, if they did an EPK, or because EPKs was the thing, it wasn't a music videos, like EPK was our music videos. You got to know who that artist was. So I was the one putting all those things together um, for, for musicians, for artists. So they came to me, hey, I'm a blank canvas, listen to my music. I would listen to the music and really develop and flush out who they were, what they should look like, and the direction we should take for their project. As music changed, iTunes came, then we became, um, artist development fell off because that cost too much money. It became creative directing, it became photography, it became music videos. So I was already putting together the artist project. Now I was able to really focus on the photos, the album cover, because now it's all digital. We don't have to press up a 10 page um, art spread and each picture is a different thing to go with the, the song titles. It was just one picture. And so we do the photos and then we'll do the music video. And so I came from a creative side where I was giving um, artists, helping them to pull together their ideas, helped them to flush out who they didn't see themselves as. So I can sit down and talk to them and pull out everything they couldn't say. And then our, the project was shaped. You know, boom, we had a whole, we had a whole, um, we had a whole project. And then we release it, release it to the public, and then it became a thing. Then music videos became the only thing, you know? So then it kind of transitioned from, we were doing very detail-oriented um, projects till it's just a volume. Instagram is now on, people want to see content. Content's always been out, but now it's a rapid request. So now we're just shooting music videos. Music videos, music videos, music videos. So, you know, it's making money for us, so we're not gonna say no, because it's making money. And so, um, you know, that part of our company grew. And then as we grew in specifically production, music video production, it, it 
we got calls for reality shows, to produce reality shows. We got calls to do short films. And a lot of the people that I work around are true filmmakers. Let me not say true filmmakers. There's no such thing as a true filmmaker. It's what, it's what, it's your vision. Um, you don't have to go to school to be a filmmaker. So I'm around these filmmakers and I'm around these, these directors. And I didn't take the same process that they did. I didn't come into the industry to be um, a, a music video or a commercial producer or a film producer. I came in because I had an idea and I knew how to create dopeness, which is um, how transitioning back into events was an easy thing for me. Creativity, coming up and brainstorming all night to put together some ideas and researching, that's what I love. You know, that, that form of of development kind of went down for a few years because you know businesses just wanted content they didn't care about the creative vibes that came through it they just wanted something to put up and so now it's switched again all these rappers are so creative trap rappers a lot of these trap rappers are so darn creative they got their movements they got their teams they're so creative outside the box the way they dress but that's how it was a long time ago then it, it went down and then it came back up and so to be able to still be in the industry and be able to get back to where my roots were my roots was doing stuff like this uh, but I found joy in still producing creative content through you know short uh, short form film short form content short films music videos um, cool interesting BTS but after doing this trap music museum, it got my juices flowing back to where my roots were. And we've been getting so many calls to do more um, installation uh, events and projects. I mean, it's a, it's a blessing because this is our root. When I was 16, 17 in my mother's house still on the floor, the ideas were events. The ideas were creating these experiences for people to come to. I still have the pieces of paper. So, I mean, I'm for real. I wrote everything down. But as music change, we have to grow with it. Every three years, every, now every freaking year, things change and we have to grow with it. And as a company, because I'm not just an individual creative, I have a company, I have employees. I can't just think for myself and just be like, I don't, you know, if it's not what I want, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not one of those type of creators. I have to go with the flow of the industry. But after this, I'm able to really get into some real fun things, and I have a really cool project that's coming out. You guys are going to see it, and it'll be out soon. So anyway, back, we're getting back to the roots. So the, back to the roots is it. But Spice, we do everything creative. We produce any idea that you can come up with, we can bring it to life. We take your seed and make it blossom. Antoinette McLaughlin, thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. I hope I answered questions right <laughs> it was great <laughs> it's okay it was great Good. thank you